Welcome to Exploring Possibilities. I'm your host, Cheryl Sitz. Since 2012, Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance and I have been airing inspiring, insightful conversations with all kinds of change agents who are raising the vibration on our planet. It's the intention of our show to explore possibilities and shift perspectives in holistic, spiritual ways. You'll hear how various industry experts discover and share their deepest passions to make a bigger difference in the world. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And do me a favor, please come back and rate the show so that new people can find us. We'll introduce our next guest in just a moment. Have you ever gone to a social media seminar and you have the online experts telling you, get a blog, get a website, get on social media, all this other stuff. By the time you're done with that seminar, that online expert is very good at frying your brain. The funny part is, you come back home, you get in front of the computer, and you're lost. Hi, I am Mario with Tech Life Balance. I see this all the time. You spend so much money and still don't know what is going on with your online presence. And you know, you probably don't need all of that. Let me go ahead and translate Geek to English for you and show you what you really need because you don't need it all. You probably only need a few components. You have a great message out there and I would like to hear it, and I definitely want to help you put it out there. I am Mario Rosales with TechLifeBalance.net. I produce this podcast because I love distributing messages. Let me help you distribute your message. Hi, it's your host, Cheryl Sitz. And when I'm not doing this podcast, I enjoy offering live or remote coaching sessions to help my clients explore their possibilities. Maybe you have a physical pain and you've never really gotten to the emotional root cause. Wouldn't it be nice to be free of that? We can do that together. We can also explore what it is you really want or what's really holding you back and get rid of that too. There's lots we can do together. Contact me, CherylSits.com. Now on with the show. Remember, this show reaches thousands of people each week and we'd love to tell them all about your products and services. Contact me at journeyofpossibilities.com and let's get your message on the podcast. Today's guest is passionate about First Amendment rights, books, and literacy. Rita Mills spent 20 years at the Houston Post and another 20 independently consulting with publishers as The Book Connection, where she packaged over 600 titles. In 2010, she also launched the New Era Times online newspaper, which bridges the gap between science and spirituality. It was after that that we met. And you know when you meet somebody and just know know that they're part of your soul family and you've done that before? (laughs) That's the way it was for Rita and I. I'm delighted to share her with you today to discuss her newest creation, a hybrid publishing house called Third Coast Books. You can find them online at thirdcoastbooks.com, offering an incredible 40% royalty structure to authors and helping authors sell their books worldwide through their Reader's Cloud 9 platform that launches on the 16th of this month. I'm so excited to share this with you because as Rita told me just before we came on, there's a book in every light worker. I think there's a book in every one of us, isn't there, Rita? There is, there is. But one little correction, sweetie. The Reader's Cloud 9, the marketing arm of Third Coast Books, launches March the 16th. Oh, I was taking a lot of yeah, time away from month. you guys, wasn't I? <laughs> Sorry <laughs> yes, about that. give it back, please. <laughs> And I know that's a big effort because our own Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance is helping you guys put that together. And it sounds pretty exciting, but I will save that for just a little bit later. I want to start out kind of knowing you a little better. Tell me something. What is it about the First Amendment that lit you up to dedicate your life to publishing? Um, 
I, I can remember back when I was in the fifth grade, I lived in Odessa in West Texas. And if you know anything about that part of the, the world, there's not a whole lot going on. But I can remember in the fifth grade, sitting on the front porch waiting for the paper to come. So I could read the front page and the uh, astroscope or whatever they were calling it, you know, <laughs> back then. And I, I don't know, the newspaper just became a part of my life. And, you know, growing up, because we were always talking about issues and stuff like that. And then, as luck would have it, I think I was destined to be in printing and books and newspapers and stuff. My first job out of the barrel through the Texas Employment Commission was at the Odessa American, a small newspaper. And, you know, it that just kind of cemented everything that, that I had been doing all this time. I didn't realize I couldn't be a pundit, you know, and write the stories and <laughs> stuff like that. But um, that and I've lived all over New Mexico. My dad, I'm an, uh, an oil field brat, and mm. I've lived all over New Mexico and Louisiana and Texas. And I saw a lot of growing up in the 50s and 60s, I saw a lot of kind of what's going on today, the prejudice and the people taking sides and that sort of thing. And it, I, I knew from a young age that the only way you could rectify things like that was to get involved. And the way you get involved is through the media. So the media can help you do that. But I, I have to say these days, I'm not very proud of the fact that, you know, I do have a career in, in media. But uh, things have got to turn around because that's the only thing that can do it. I think at this point, this country's in such a, a weird place. Well, now back up and kind of explain a little bit more why you say that about not being so proud now. Well, because anybody, you know, everybody thinks that they're entitled to give their opinion about something. Well, that's all fine and dandy. But the media has gotten so lackadaisical about everything they do. They don't research their stories. They just fly with them. They make up crap on the, the fly, you know, that kind of stuff. And when, when I was growing up, the media was impartial, impartial. That yes. means they didn't have one side or the other. If they were on a particular side, they didn't bring it through in their profession. And that's not so today. You can, you know, I can tell you who the conservative shows are. I can tell you who the liberal shows are. Right. And there, there are very few that are middle of the road. And they never get any kind of press, so nobody listens to them. Yeah, how did we get to this place where it had to be super sensational or it wouldn't sell press? The advertising industry. Mm. Simple. Look, look at what's going on here with the Super Bowl right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. And, and you're coming to us from Houston. So you're right in the thick of that. What have you seen happening there? Well, they've literally been celebrating the Super Bowl, which is supposed to be a, a two or a three hour event for like two and a half, three weeks now. <laughs> you know, and and I, I'm sure the shop owners and the people who are trying to make money off of it are perpetuating it. But but the media is buying into it. That's all I've heard on the news <laughs> for the last three weeks. Is Super Bowl. Yeah, I've actually you know? had some friends down in the city posting things like that on social media about, you know, what happened to the news? How do we find out what's going on? We want the Super Bowl to be over so they'll report what's going on in the world again because we aren't getting it right yes. now. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. 
Well, you had a big role in that being at the Houston Post for 20 years. That was a big paper when I was growing up. That was one of the ones that we always read. And so you've really seen firsthand a lot of the shifting of the media that you've described, haven't you? Yeah, the shifting of the media and and the tools that the media works with, you know, when when I went first went to work at the the Houston Post they they had like a it was like a locked in system i guess that you could go to the editorial department it was kind of like a locked in encyclopedia that you could get access to look stuff up and everybody has access to that now so why shouldn't everybody be going out there and telling people what they think you know but who cares i don't yeah, and the one thing that I noticed the most is is that people don't even look at the sources they're getting their quote-unquote news from. If somebody publishes it on their website, it becomes news, and that's really yes. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. Well, is if that if kind- it's published, it's news. Yeah, you know? exactly. No matter where you publish it. <laughs> is that kind of what steered you into the direction then of working with authors and getting kind of out of the media? Uh no, the reason I got in, into book publishing is because I needed a job and I got offered one at the University of Houston. I knew nothing about books other than I, I, th- I love beautiful books and I've collected them, you know, all of my life. But working at the University of Houston was probably comparable to a four-year apprenticeship learning the book industry. And when I got in that... I realized that, you know, everybody has a story to tell, yes. you know, and ever because of the First Amendment, they've got the right to do that. And that's what my main goal in life is to help facilitate getting the word out about stuff and getting the right word out about stuff. You know, I'm I'm not in the media anymore, but basically, I guess everything that gets published is media, right? Yeah, in its own way, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you tell someone that's thinking about writing their story? What's the first thing that comes to you in what you see of being published now and not being published now? The book publishing industry has changed so much in the 20 plus years that I've been in it that if if you're planning on writing a book, you need to be doing as much research about the book publishing industry as you possibly can. Because there are a lot of people out there who are making a handsome living off of the ego of the author wanting to be a quote-unquote published author, that there are scams and half-truths, bunches of them. Ninety percent of the people out there raising their flag that they can do this and they can do that are nothing. They, they really don't know what they're doing and they don't have the direction that they really need need to know to go in to impart to their people that they're trying to get published. Well, I'm curious. I see a lot where people are saying that they're international bestseller. I mean, it seems like almost everybody I know that's written a book is an international bestseller. What is that Mm -hmm. about? Well, it's about marketing people who come in and they want, they, they come up with some new brain child about how they can do this. They sell their services for thousands of dollars and they coach and teach these people to do that sort of thing. And one of the big things that you're talking about is Amazon has perpetuated basically. People will go in, they'll do some kind of a freebie giveaway 
So they're not making anything off of it, but they might raise their status on the Amazon's listings or ratings, you know, from 12 million up to half a million, and they consider themselves a bestseller and they do a screenshot. And that, you know, that pretty much solidifies the fact that they're a bestseller. They're really not. I was going to say, if you're selling it for zero dollars and zero cents, that's not really selling it. No, no. And, you know, there are reasons why you give your product away. It's for awareness, but it's not for you to say that, you know, I gave 10,000 copies away, so therefore I'm a a New York Times bestseller. (laughs) I knew there had to be something behind that because if everybody's a bestseller, then it doesn't mean anything anymore. And why, you know, so why even say it? So tell me a little bit about how this shift came about. What you're doing is unheard of. 40% royalties, marketing support for the authors to help them get their products out there worldwide. How did all of this evolve and in whose minds did it come up? As you know, the first of last year we met and I wanted to get out of the New Era Times, the online newspaper that I had. Uh, I was trying to gear down and kind of go into what I would call semi-retirement. And a friend of mine that lived in Dallas moved back down to the Houston area. And he and I, he had just signed with a publisher. I told him not to do it. They were nothing except a big hype. He went ahead and did it anyway. And he figured out what I was trying to tell him. (laughs) He's a little bit hard-headed, I would say. (laughs) But he's a a good hard-head, though. But we talked, and, and he was telling me, he said, I figured out what they're doing, Rita. All they're doing is selling books. And marking them, you know, marking them up, but they're not selling books to the readers. They're selling books back to the authors. So we got to doing a lot of research, found most of them. That's what they were doing. They were charging exorbitant prices to put together a product. You know, they weren't doing a, a good job of putting together a really good book. You know, they were just doing it on the fly and and that sort of stuff so he said you know Rita he said I think you and I can do a whole lot better job of this than what what anybody else is doing out there let's do it well he's a year older than I am and I'm 68 so (laughs) so much for retirement and relaxation so much for retirement (laughs) but we we kind of talked back and forth and and put our strategy together and we knew that he and I couldn't do it by ourselves so we brought a couple of other people in, an, an awesome, awesome, awesome IT guy who you know, Mr. <laughs> Rosales. And Ron, every time I talk to Ron, he tells me how much smarter he's figured out than Mario was even the last time we talked, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> and then uh, Faye Walker, who is an editor, and you know she does the, the quality control of the manuscripts you know, and stuff like that. What we maybe started out with when we first started talking back in April or May came full circle. Everything has changed since since then. We found out all kinds of things that didn't work, things that did work, things that were easier to do and beyond our wildest dreams as to the capacity that we can see in this whole project. So it it's it's as long as I've been in the book publishing industry, it's been a journey of discovery even for me, you know? With technology changing so much, with everything about the processes we use to achieve things being so different continuously, I think everything is evolving, right? Anything we thought we knew 10 years ago is obsolete, even two years ago, it seems like. That's right. And I've always 
been kind of a step ahead of the computer industry because I worked at the newspaper. And if there's going to be any kind of computer aspect brought into an industry, that's why publishing is at the forefront of all the computer changes and stuff like that, because it's changing on a continuous basis. Yes, it is. Well, tell us a little bit. So I know that some of the people listening are going to be people that are thinking about writing their first book. Some of the people that are listening haven't really thought about it, and some may have written a few books before and may be intrigued by what your company is offering. So what kinds Mm -hmm. of messages would you really like to get out there for authors and would-be authors to know about the industry and about what you guys are creating? Do your research. Find out as much information as you possibly can about the whole industry. If you don't, if you want to write, but you're really not sure what you want to write, do research and see where there's holes in the the industry out there. You know, just do your research and take it one step at the time, and believe about half of what people tell you. <laughs> you know about the whole industry. I, when when I first got Uh, when I first left the University of Houston, I thought, well, I'm going to go to the Small Business Administration and get a loan and do this the right way and highlight Texas authors, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, seems that the banks and the Small Business Administration on any level will not touch a publishing or a venture that goes into the media because it's such a it's a crapshoot, basically. You know, it you you may come out way ahead and and you may fall flat on your face, you know? So if if you're thinking you're going to start a publishing house and you're going to go out and get a bunch of money to do it, that's not going to happen. (laughs) You know, most of the small publishers that I know started out on a shoestring and, uh, and if you can stay in the industry and, and continue to write on a, you know, some people turn out a book every three to four months, but if you can, remain uh, viable and come out with a book every year to year and a half, then that's very attractive whether you're independently publishing something or a traditional publisher wants to pick you up. Well, let's let's just go with that question. So uh, for somebody that hasn't published before, there's many questions. And one of them would be self-publishing versus getting a publisher. Where do you kind of respond about the pros and cons of that question? Traditional publishing, everybody wants to be a published author and they want somebody to incur all the expense of doing that. And if you're an unknown, your chances of getting your foot in the door at one of the big five publishing houses is slim to none. So that's why most people these days resort to doing it themselves and doing the independent publishing. Don't don't call it self-publishing. That's kind of the bastard of the industry. So you don't <laughs> want to be perceived as that. You you just have to get in and and feel your way around and learn the direction that's best for you. If if I get a client that comes to me who's a therapist, a lot of my clients are therapists. They either have a client base or they go out and they do speaking engagements, that sort of stuff. Those are the ideal books that should be independently published because it is part of your business as a therapist. It That book cements you as an expert in whatever field you write on. And that's a good deal of the reasons that people, you know, publish in the first place. 
I guess my next question would be then trying to get your book into some kind of position where it looks like a book worth reading and having if you're independently publishing. See, I stopped saying self-publishing. If you're independently (laughs) publishing to position yourself as an expert, then that would seem to be a huge ramp up to try and actually sell enough books to back you up as an expert, right? Because if you're an expert that hasn't sold a book, you're not much of an expert. Yeah. But where, where being an expert and selling a lot of books comes into play is you're doing speaking presentations and selling those books at the back of the room. You've got a built-in client base and a built-in way to sell product so you don't have to go to the bookstores or to Amazon or or wherever to sell your product. You've already got a built-in market and you're going to be, that market is going to multiply itself as more and more people get the word out about you and, and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I, I have a therapist that I did a book with about eight years ago, I guess, seven or eight. And he, he did it upright. It was hard copy and he had, you know, the website and he had all the marketing and PR and stuff, but I knew he hadn't sold a lot of his books So I talked to him about six months ago, and I I had found a place where he could store his books for nothing. And uh, I asked him how the book was doing, and he said, well, you know, we we sell two or three a month or, you know, four or five a month, something like that. But he said, "Um, it has put me on the map as a therapist. Him and his wife have a practice that there's like six or seven of them in it. And he said that they are turning away clients, all of them, because of that one book. It may not have gone out and become a bestseller, you know, but it it also opened uh, him up to the, um, the, the Jung Center here. So he could get in and do uh, presentations and workshops and stuff like that. So they, they open a lot of doors for those people who are, who are trying to cement themselves and as an expert in anything. Now, if, if you're writing fiction, my best advice to you is to either go the ebook route and don't worry about a hard copy of a book. But fiction as an independently published project it, it just, it really doesn't work that well. You really have to have nonfiction to independently publish because you, with a nonfiction title, you automatically have a target audience that you're tapped into. With fiction, and first off, if you're an, an indie, your chances of getting in a bookstore aren't going to happen. But anybody who's out there that's a reader might possibly be interested in reading your book, and you've got to figure out a way to get there. Well, you know, it's easier to get to and market your product to a target audience that you've got a core social standing with than it is to to tap. How many people are there in the United States? 120 million? Right. Something, something like that, you know, that would be a horrendous marketing, you know, um, amount of money that it would take to tap into all yes. those people. Yes. And, and all of them would not be interested in your book, you right. know. Well, so tell me who you all are, are targeting as your ideal authors that you want to pick. Uh, obviously, not the people that you've been describing. Who are you focusing on? Actually, we're accepting pretty much any kind of genre at this point, except for children's picture books. We're not going to work with anything that's for color, that's got a lot of high-end artwork and that kind of stuff right now. We may, 
down the road because I specialize in packaging children's picture books. But at, at this point in time, you know, we've got to get our foundation and, you know, that sort of stuff. But we publish just about any genre. We quantify our books where we're different than most of the small publishers are the the places that are, are basically packagers or, or program servicing people who that's all they do is just put together your product and get it out there. Where we're different is that we quantify what we publish. We don't publish everything. And it, it's got to, it doesn't have to be perfect when we get it, but it's got to have some potential. And with, with our marketing packages, we have a, a set price for fiction and a set price for nonfiction. And the reason we can, as a small publisher, do a viable job of publishing fiction titles is because of our marketing arm, the Reader's Cloud 9. Tell us a little the, about that. It's coming up March the 16th, not February 16th. <laughs> <laughs> it is a community-based website where anyone who loves to read or writes or is in the publishing business can join the community. We market people's product for them. We started initially just to market our stuff, and we thought, well, you know, why shouldn't we bring other people's stuff in here if we can build our our base, which we're starting with 12 million email addresses to, to start our circulation database with. So Readers Cloud 9 Besides being a community of people of like minds, we've got a tremendous selection of books. And some of these books are ours, but not all of them are. That sounds fabulous. And communities, we really do want to get together with like-minded people these days and socialize about the things that we're doing and reading and, and seeing. And that's why social media is so big. So I think it's brilliant to kind of take that concept and roll it into a book platform. What are the kinds of books that we'll see featured on there? You said all, all types, right? All types, all types. We will have uh, some of the, the Amazon and New York Times bestsellers on our list, you know, as well as some that nobody ever heard of the person or the title or anything like that. But we'll have uh, pretty much every genre out there except porn and erotica. None of that, huh? <laughs> none of that. None of that. Although I have to say a lot of the romances, there's a fine line yes. between that and erotica <laughs> these days. But but no S&M and, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, tell me some of the problems that you feel like this company is solving, things that bothered you about the industry that you're making sure that, that you guys do differently? We're offering quality for what we're charging people to do. And the pricing that we're doing it for, it's basically half of what, uh, if an individual person were to come to me to package their product for them through the book connection, the fee would be double what we're charging people. And the fee involves the editing. It goes through a selection process to see if the product is good. We're not just taking anything. It goes through the uh, editing process, the grammar process, the critique process. Um, we, we have some fabulous cover designers that we're using. We produce a trade quality book. And then when that piece of the action stops... Then we step in with a marketing arm that we are pretty sure, no, we're going to say is going to, 
give a lot of these uh, book sites a run for their money. Maybe not Amazon, because we're trying to work with them as much as we possibly can. But uh, and, and there are a couple of features about Amazon that I really like. I love the reviews, most of all. So to me, the idea that you guys are going to have an entire platform where we can talk about and review the material is taking what they've done to another level. Yes, yes. I, I warned the gang when we started talking about reviews that they were going to be a bear to wrestle. And that's why Amazon and everybody else who has reviews are constantly changing their mind. And, you know, you got to have this and you got to do that, you know, that sort of thing. But people go by reviews. It, it's really kind of sad because anybody can play with a review right. and either pump it up or, or tear it down, you know. For instance, Yelp. Those people strong arm you, yes. man. If you, if you don't take their marketing, they strong arm you. But um, with this, with people being able to go in and post a review and not have to spend X amount of money at Amazon and, you know, all that kind of stuff, that's one of the great parts about the, the website, too. I think when I read the reviews, I'm, I'm kind of looking for where I f- see and feel myself reflected in what they say. And, and it gives me a deeper insight into what I'm about to explore. So uh-huh. if, if I'm intrigued by the reviews, I'm definitely going to be intrigued to read the book. If yes. if the reviews seem boring and nobody can really seem to say that they like it a whole lot, then I'm just not really intrigued to try it. So I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm necessarily taking everything they say at face value, but it, it influences my buying decision for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, and that back cover copy. Right. You know, I don't buy a book that I don't read the back cover copy on. So. Right. Of course, that's marketing copy, and they can say whatever they want to on the back of that, you know, so. Yes. You just have to be careful. (laughs) These days, nobody knows what the truth is anymore. Isn't that right? I was just saying that the other day. Everybody's arguing about what they think the truth is based on whatever media source they're following or whatever guru they believe in, and we don't mm -hmm. even get the truth. We get what they want us to know to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Well, was it Seinfeld? It was some comedian that used the word truthy. It was kind of sort of the truth, so it was truthy. <laughs> I don't I remember, but Seinfeld. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to keep That's, that. That's a good one. Truthy. <laughs> truthy. It's truthy. Perfect. Well, you know, Rita, you're not slowing down a bit for somebody that's retiring. This is a big project you've undertaken. Well, I've tried to facilitate change in every every job I've ever had, every area I've ever worked in, and I saw that the publishers were getting wealthy and the authors were basically getting screwed in the traditional publishing industry. So ever since I have been in book publishing, I've tried to facilitate some kind of change. And nobody wanted to rock the boat. You know, everybody agrees that something needs to be done, but, oh, well, I've already got this and I'm into that and it'll just jeopardize it. So I could never get any kind of traction to facilitate any kind of change. And then when, you know, when Ron came along and I thought, you know, this could be the seed that does that. So why not plant it? What'll it be six months out of my life? (laughs) Yeah, and how long ago was that? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, probably 10 or 11 months ago now. Yeah, and you guys Something are just taking like off. It's just ramping up, ramping up. It's not slowing it, it down. Is. It is. It is. 
I know. I know, but it's exciting and it we're moving towards a goal and we're trying to be productive in some capacity to to community and humanity, you know? And with us launching the catalog for Readers Cloud 9, we were trying to come up with a, a new date for the launch. And we thought we wanted to do it as soon as possible, but we wanted to extend it a little while. Well, Faye's on the computer and she said, I've got it. She said, what we need to do is launch on Freedom of Information Act, March 16th. And I said, did you just pull that out of your hat? You're <laughs> kidding me, aren't you? And she said, no, no, that's true. It's real. So it, it makes perfect sense. Kind of what we're trying to do is is give a platform to put out quality product and show people what community and the new paradigm is all about, as well as producing these, this quality product and, and information that, you know, because it, it was political or because it wasn't the politically correct thing to do, maybe at the time the book was published, it didn't make much traction, you know? Well, I'm looking at kind of the course of our conversation and your career, and it's been about platforms to give voice for change. I mean, the, the New Era Times was that as well for you, right? What inspired you right. to do that in Houston, Texas, of all places? Well, my husband passed in uh, 2005. Between the two biggest bitches that the Gulf Coast has ever known, Katrina and Rita, <laughs> and I went through a metamorphosis. I had always had a vent for the the spiritual versus the religious aspect of of belief a belief system. Yes. And I I really kind of crashed and I started coming back to life and I found a spiritual community here, but I found in that community it's just like in the book publishing community. There are a lot of people that they've got a big sign in their front yard that they're a you know a spiritualist or whatever and they really aren't they're just making a living they're just a cottage industry so my initial thought with the new era times was to weed those that were the scammers out from those that were the real deal and a lot of people don't don't believe in a lot of things that that we you know that we touted on um the New Era Times, but, you know, it, it was a way to try and bridge that science and spirituality thing. Yes. And I don't think there's that much difference between them, but sometimes it's how it's presented. There is there is a lot of science to a lot of the spirituality and vice versa when it's presented exactly. in a way that does bridge that. So I commend you for holding this vision, you seem like a bridge person. You bridge, you know, you're bridging the economics for the authors now in your new thing while while also helping them take their product to a bigger audience. So I love that you do that. And you're just a very inspiring woman. I hope you realize that. <laughs> well, I'm just like everybody else. When I put on pants, I put them on one leg at the time. So yeah, but you put them on and make things happen. And not everybody <laughs> chooses to live that way. So I commend you for being a woman of vision who says, we're going to make this vision happen. And what's this going to take? And and it seems like even setbacks are only just stepping stones for you. And that's where a lot of us sometimes struggle, you know, and you seem to just say, no, I'm going to get through this. 
Well, and you have to take the lemons and make lemonade out of them, or you take a gun and kill yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah. You've made a lot Life of lemonade. Life is, is really tough. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a proving ground, you know? And you've got to learn to go with the flow. And instead of being rigid about everything, you've got to learn to, to mold yourself and change with whatever's going on, you know? Absolutely. It's been such a pleasure visiting, visiting with you today. You've got so much going on. And again, I hope everyone will go check out thirdcoastbooks.com, especially after March 16th, when your additional <laughs> platform Reader's Cloud 9 is on there. And yes, I got the date right, finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one little thing, Third Coast Books, the, it's www.3rd for thirdcoastbooks.com. Very good. Thank you for clarifying and- that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, I always this has ask- been so much fun, sweetie. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I always ask my guests if they have a parting thought that they'd like to leave our listeners with today. So can you think of some parting thought you'd like to leave us with? On a general, huge scope, I know that the world today looks awfully dreary and confusing and chaos is there. Stay out of fear. It'll all work itself out. So that's my parting shot. We need to hear that right now. Thank you so much. I love you, Rita. I love you too, sweetie. We'll talk soon. Would you like to be a guest on Exploring Possibilities? Drop me a note at info at journeyofpossibilities.com. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.